Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Let's get into the word. Proverbs chapter 3, if you will. Proverbs chapter 3. I want to minister a, a message, um, kind of a standalone, because next Wednesday, um, Pastor Roddy Schaefer will be here. Just mentions his name. We're going to be at his place in several weeks, but he's going to be here next Wednesday night. I'm telling you, do not miss it. Uh, he's always dynamic when he ministers, uh, just a powerful uh, minister, preacher, teacher, and, and so you want to be in the house for that. But um, we are actually launching, uh, or he's casting vision for, launching vision for an outreach that he does. He'll go into communities. Um, I think I, we've shared the story with many of you before, but several years ago, they had bought a building for their church, and then uh, uh, under a million dollars, I know that, I don't remember the exact amount, I know it was under a million dollars, and a group of doctors came to him and said, hey, we want your building. He said, well, it's not for sale. And they said, well, you haven't heard our price yet. And so they told him the price. He said, it's for sale. <laughs> that happened pretty quick. Um, I think it was over $6 million they ended up selling the building for, and uh, it, was, it was up there. So obviously he's walking away with quite a bit of cash, and then they went and bought a building. Um, and then uh, what really is on his heart is he's just an evangelist at heart. I mean, if you hear him preach and teach, and, and when he's been here, you know his heart is for the lost, his zeal and his passion for those that are far away from God to be drawn near. He tells his story and his testimony. He bought a plane. He bought a semi-truck. He bought a camper. He bought stage equipment. He bought a semi that carries a portable fold-out stage. He's got the works, and now uh, he's hitting the ground running. He wasted no time. All, all of this probably within the last, what, two years, maybe. It was after 2020, I know that, after COVID. Um, so just tremendous things that are on his heart that he's now being able to do. So he goes into these communities, and he, the way he's doing it is with the plane, obviously. He doesn't have to miss one of his own services to do it. So he's still able to pastor and lead his own church, and so he's got this team that they send out, and so he's going to cast vision next week for that and obviously talk about the community outreaches and how they work and how, you know, they're coming in and doing it, but we're partnering with them. In essence, they're partnering with us. We're doing this together because, you know, everyone that, I mean, they, they get five, 600 people to come out to these events, show up in the middle of a field uh, and, you know, preach the gospel, give things away, tell stories, do games, and then boom you know, commitments for Christ. And so, um, you know, we want to be there, of course. That's why they're coming, uh, is to help churches, uh, you know, get a gear for, um, you know, outreach and evangelism and that kind of thing. And so you don't want to miss next Wednesday. Uh, what is that, the 19th, April 19th? Then the Wednesday after that, I'll be ministering in St. Augustine, Florida. So this is like my one Wednesday this month. My wife told me that. I was like, I'm not ministering just once one Wednesday, and sure enough, last Wednesday was Living Faith Conference, and so they're kicking me out of my own pulpit, but that's okay. We've got plenty of ministers to fill it, and thankful for that. So um, anyways, I want to minister to you a message tonight, one step ahead, one step ahead. And um, Proverbs chapter 3, it's a powerful verse that we all have heard um, and know. 
But let's look at it. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Everyone say all. all. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. You know, that's, that's the greatest thing that we have to combat. That's the greatest temptation you'll have to combat when the Lord is directing you, leading you, guiding you in your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The, the, the temptation is to, well, I think, or I know, or what about what I want? And that, that's, the, the, the enemy will show up and he sounds a lot like you. <laughs> it's in your voice and it's in your tone and it, 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 it thinks like you and he talks like you and he's attracted to the things you're attracted to and drawn to the things you're drawn. And, and so he, he uses sometimes our own will and our own agenda um, you know, against us. We become our own worst enemy in these moments. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It goes on to say, seek his will in all you do. There's that word all again. And he will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do and he will show you which path to take. Uh, you know, in the New King James, it says lean not on your own understanding. That leaning is, what are you depending on? When you're leaning on something, that that is holding up your weight. It is holding up all of you. And so it is what you are depending on. It's what you're putting your trust in. Uh, and, and this is the thing about trust is when you become comfortable in trusting in something, you will trust and not even think about it. I did not see one person when you went to sit down just now. Okay, okay, all right. I I just saw you just bloop into your seat, right? Not even think about it. Trusting can become regular activity, and it ought to be. He's talking about a trust that, not that I'm having to work hard to trust or give all this effort to trust or give all this thought to, I'm trusting the Lord, I'm trusting the Lord. No, it becomes familiar. It becomes easy. Not familiar as in, oh, that's just trusting. But it's, it's trusting that is regular activity for us. That's the kind of trusting we're talking about. And then also, you know, uh, I'm reading out of the New Living. It says, seek his will. But I like the word that the New King James uses. It says, acknowledge him in all your ways. Acknowledge. The word acknowledge means to make aware. To make aware. When I'm acknowledging something, that means I'm becoming aware or making aware of something. And so this awareness affects our trust. What I'm aware of determines what I trust in. If I'm aware of the trauma in life, the struggles in life, the issues of life, the news, the, the economic status, the, 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 the brokenness or depravity we see, if I'm highly aware of those things, if that's all that I'm consuming or all that I'm putting in front of myself, then it's gonna be by default that you trust in those things. And so we need, we need to stop being impressed by our problems. Instead of 
This is what we do. We tell God how big our problems are. When's the last time you told your problem how big your God is? How dare you defy, like like David charging at Goliath. You defy the, the Lord. There's one, you, you, can, you can call me out all you want, call me names, you can threaten me, you can tempt me, you can come against me, whatever, but you got a bigger one that you're really battling against, and I'm not your problem. Trust me, he is your problem, and he will defeat you. But, you know, so many times we spend so much time talking to God about the problem that he wants us to talk to the problem about our God. And when you start, you'll start seeing miracles when you stop being impressed by the problems. You'll start seeing miracles. And I'm reminded of the miracle, uh, or, or the, actually it was a lack of miracle, when Jesus' disciples brought, uh, uh, an, I think it was a demon-possessed boy, brought him to Jesus and said they were unable, or I think it was the dad. There we go. The dad bringing a demon-possessed boy said, you're disciples. And afterward, Jesus heals the demon-possessed boy. And afterwards, the disciples asked Jesus why it couldn't happen. He says, well, you know, sometimes these things can only happen through prayer and fasting, right? Imagine being surprised that it doesn't happen. So that's where we need to get with the miraculous. That's where we need to get with the supernatural. Most of us would be surprised if it did happen. These boys were, because if you read in the previous chapter, they had just gone on this journey where they were given all authority and all power. Lay hands on the sick, see them recover, baptize those in my name, right? The, the whole list, if you, you know, he, he does all that. I think it's in Luke, Luke 10. And then, you know, they, they have this one encounter. It's like, okay, we got to push a little further. But they were surprised that the, the miracle didn't happen. Well, what is, what is this issue? It's the awareness issue. They had been seeing these miracles on display so much in Jesus' ministry. It was like, oh, wait. We missed one. Wait, this one, didn't, this one didn't happen. We need to dig deeper and find out what, what are we missing? What, what's the connection point where we're not engaging in? What, what do we need to add to, to this, this, this power and to this authority? That Prayer and fasting, okay, got it. Prayer and fasting, which does what? Raises your awareness. See, the reason why we talk about fasting is not, it's not a supernatural diet plan. And it's not a way to get you off social media and turn off the TV. It, it's, it's putting up lanes or blockers, if you will, that I'm only going to be aware of one thing. I'm going to cut out the confusion, cut out. the. How are you going to trust in the Lord with all your heart when you still have voices bleeding through day to day? How are we going to trust in the Lord with all your heart? You're, you're, you're wor- it's counterproductive. You're working against yourself. When I'm working to gain a, a trust, a reliance, a dependence on what God wants to do, but yet I let voices bleed into my life, diluting his word. You know, I, I, I tell people when you're in a, a real battle, maybe not a battle physically, naturally, but a, a, maybe a battle mentally, confused about what's the next step, where am I supposed to go, what are we supposed to do? I think we're supposed to do this, I think we're supposed to go there. Cut out voices. Who are you listening to? What, what are the things we're still giving attention to? Well, how highly aware and sensitive of the word of God, the things of God, the voice of God are you 
making yourself. So fasting will do this. I'll suggest to them fasting. Go on a fast. And it doesn't take long. You'd be surprised. It doesn't have to be a 40-day fast. You can, three days, I got my answer. I've done that from time to time. We've done that from time to time with things in the ministry, things personally. Uh, Pastor Earl tells a story. That's what he went and did when the Lord began to speak to him about purchasing the mall that they're in now, uh, down there in St. Augustine, Florida. And he had to, he'd gotten the camper, the RV or whatever they've got and went out into the wilderness, so to speak, and cut things off. This is on us. The Holy Spirit's not gonna get louder and louder. We've gotta be the one to quiet the voices. And it's not even that they're bad voices. It's not even that it's a sinful thing. It's just, it's diluting and clouding your judgment and clouding your discernment and and clouding your ability and capacity to hear his voice clearly, amen? But he says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Get, Get out of the temptation of wanting to trust yourself. Seek his will in all you do And it says this, he will show you which path to take. The steps come, the clarity of the next path, the clarity of the next step comes. Now, have you ever noticed that with God, this is how he operates. The Bible says that he knows the end from the beginning. And God many times will show you the end of a thing, the completed version, what it looks like in fulfillment. Then from there, He will rewind the tape back all the way up to where you're at now and just show you one simple step. He doesn't show you the whole path, right? The word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, but he doesn't show you the whole GPS route. You know, one thing that I like about uh, Siri is... um, You know, it'll show you different options. You plug in where you are now, and what's the other address you punch in? Your destination, where you're going. It's the same thing, where I'm at now, and and it'll show you different routes. And maybe you see a route, you know, a lot of times, I'm just, I'm not a back roads guy. I am not the, you know, enjoy the journey, not the destination. I am not that guy. I just need the destination. I got a 12-year-old and two-year-old in the back seat. Get me to the destination. I don't need to just smell the flowers and stop here and stop there. Maybe one day my wife and I by ourselves will take that kind of trip, but that's not me. I want the interstate. I'll go out of the way to find an interstate just so I can go faster. I won't say exactly how fast, just faster than the, the back road and the stoplights, and the 65, 35, 45, 55, 65, 35, and oh, I hate that. Every time my son plays a ball game or a tournament out in Albany, oh my gosh, Ty Ty, Georgia. Y'all been through Ty Ty, Georgia? Poland, Poland, Georgia, Poland, Georgia, however you say it. Yeah, the cops know me, and I know them, and I know where they camp out. It was that first tournament we went out there. I got pulled over. Yeah, because it goes from 65 to 35 real quick. 
So when I see the Walmart sign, okay, it's coming. And I know we're slowing down here. They do it on purpose, man. They do it on purpose. That is the income for that tower. <laughs> That's how they making it. <laughs> yep. No, get me on the interstate, at, if at all possible. And so we, you, you, you've got your, your, your options in front of you, but it doesn't work that way with God. You get the destination, then he, obviously, you know your starting point, where you're at now, and then he just gives you one simple step. And this is where the trust in the Lord, the, the path between where you're at now and your destination is called faith. The path between where you're at now and the destination, the fulfillment, is called faith. And what I've learned about this journey, about this path, and why this verse in Proverbs chapter 3 is so important is because you will not have um, any lack of opportunity to lean on your own understanding. Oh, it's bountiful, plentiful these opportunities, the, 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 the times that look good, you'll feel under-resourced. You'll feel alone in the process. You'll hear your voice extremely loud. You'll question everything. And so this verse is serious. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. I want to show you an example of this. In Hebrews chapter 11, Hebrews chapter 11, this is the, uh, what they call the hall of faith, the faith chapter. And um, we're going to look at a, a man named Abraham. Y'all, y'all familiar with Abraham? You know, there, there's when I minister on faith, there, there are certain stories that I love to go to. Probably my number one go-to when it, when it gets to faith, or when we're talking about faith, is Numbers 13, the 12 spies. Like, I mean, you just can't make it any more clear uh, that what that story outlines, what that story details, um, how they didn't even believe in themselves. You know, this word that they believed in slavery they did not follow through on when they're actually on the journey now to see this promise fulfilled. But Abraham is probably my second go-to when it comes to a life of faith. And in verse 8, it says this, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God, uh, obeyed when God called him. When did he obey? When God called him. When God called him to leave home and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. It says he went without knowing where he was going. Y'all see that, right? He went on a word. Oh, if we could just go on a word. I said, go. Take the first step. I've pointed you in the direction. You don't need to know what is beyond that step. You don't, need, you don't need to know what's at the end of that road. You, but, but we do know that he told Abraham what? You'll be a father of many nations, right? Descendants will come from your family, which was already a, a, a faith battle 
because he's 75 years old. His wife, Sarah, is uh, is unable to have children, and they are both beyond childbearing years. They're up against it, aren't they? And yet God says the end, the fulfillment, the conclusion, the outcome is you're going to be a father of many nations, not just with one child, but many nations, many descendants will flow from you. He points to the sand as an example, points to the stars in the sky as a, as uh, an example of this is what it's going to look like for you. But now I need you to trust me in this. Go. Where? Don't worry, don't worry about it. Just go. One word. He went without even knowing where he was going, it says. <clears throat> and even when he reached the land, God promised him. It says he lived there by faith. So can you go by faith? Here's the next one. Can you stay by faith? Some of us might be obedient in the going, but we put God on a timeline. Okay, God, you're going to do this in such and such time within such and such, and this is going to happen, and these, this thing's going to take place, and then we start playing God, so to speak. You see all the opportunities that show up to lean on your own understanding. Oh, yeah. Faith tests, if you will. You know what we say, a faith that is not tested cannot be trusted, right? You know, it's not always that God is wanting us to develop faith in him. He's wanting to know, can I have faith in you? Can I trust in you that you will respond to my word when I speak it, not thinking it through, not setting it before 10 people on Facebook and see if I get an approval, not letting the majority have it. Let me talk to my mentor or my best friend. Can you respond to the word that I give you? Can I trust you that you will steward over this word, that you would steward over this encounter, that you would steward over this moment? He's wanting to build. The the master, when he left and left those talents with those three servants, they're having to trust in him that he will follow through, but he's having to trust in them. And of course, if I can trust you with this, then that proves that I can trust you with something greater. If you'll be faithful with little, be faithful with much. And God will work this way. It might just seem like a small word, a simple word, menial, minuscule, just, you know, mundane. That's You know, there are so many times that I look back over my life and words that I easily could have said no to were some of the biggest moments in my life that dictated following the Lord. And sometimes I just, you know, I want to tell God, God, you know, I could have easily missed that. I need, a, I need the booming voice, right? I need the angel. I need the great encounter. I need the prophetic word. I need someone to call me out in front of an entire service that doesn't even know me. I, you know, I need this big, dramatic, you know, emotional moment. And it was a, 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 a simple tug in my heart during a flag football game, responding to a pastor's call to, will you, uh, and at, your, at the time, your fiance, help us in our two and three-year-old classroom? 
I easily could have said, ah, you know, I'm just not, that's not for me. And could have missed a moment that I, I believe now charted the course. Even coming to St. Augustine, coming to Valdosta, Georgia, uh, you know, all kinds of different moments that I can look back. You know, I, I, I've, I've used this phrase, used this quote um, quite often that many of life's most significant moments were insignificant in the moment. Many of life's significant moments seem so insignificant in the moment. It's not until I get past the moment, past the decision, past the yes, past the depending on the Lord and not leaning on my own understanding, that I really can appreciate what all was packaged in that moment, packaged in that decision, packaged in that simple yes. And so that's what Abraham's doing here. Now, for him to leave home, I mean, this was just even culturally and traditionally, that wasn't something you did, number one. Not only is he leaving home, he's leaving family. He's leaving comfort. He's leaving familiarity. He's leaving everything he knows. We're not just talking about, you know, going on a journey, um, you know, or just trying out a new place. I mean, he's literally uprooting from everything he knows, everything he's familiar with to follow the plan of God, the voice of God, the word of God. So not only did he go there by faith, he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents. It's so amazing to see how God uses these moments in our lives. But he's always a step ahead of us. God was a step ahead of Abraham. You know, God is not, we, we, we like to say things like God is walking with me. And yes, he's walking with you daily. He's, he's with you. But he's not walking with you in the sense of, let's see what's around this corner. What kind of tour guide do you want that's never been where he's taking you? No, you want someone that's familiar with the area, knows their ins and outs, knows which way is the wrong way and which way is the right way, right? You want someone that knows. And the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, he would be your guide. He would guide you. He would lead you. And guess what? He's really good at it. He's really good at leading. He's really good at guiding. If we ever don't end up in the will of God moment or where the Holy Spirit's leading, it's not on the Holy. Well, I don't know how we ended up here. But you know what? If you look at the natural indicators, it's sure going to feel like I'm a foreigner. I don't belong here. This is uncomfortable. This doesn't make sense. You know, you might even end up in situations that feel like they've gone backwards. <laughs> Anybody been there? Anybody can attest to, okay, I, I jumped out. Father, you spoke. I responded in obedience. I'm following your plan. I'm further away from where I thought my destination was. Many times it's just God cutting off things that we lean on. God knows how to get rid of the things that you and I lean on. He does. We might have been leaning on family. 
We might have been leaning on familiarity. We might have been leaning on comfort. Might have been leaning on friends. Might have been leaning on a job. Finances. God knows how to cut these things off, not to eliminate them from you, but to advance you and progress you in the things of God. But he knows you will, you will not be able to follow me readily, easily, if we're carrying all this stuff with us. He knows the elimination process. Uh, Jesus called it in John 15, pruning. And we've heard this before. We've talked about this before. Pruning is not punishment. What did I do wrong now? He's like, no, now you've actually done everything right. It's time to remove some more stuff. Obedience is is rewarded with pruning. Maturity is rewarded. It's an indicator I'm doing the right thing. Does it feel good? It's uncomfortable? Don't like it? Thought I needed that? And he's like, no, you didn't. Trust in me with all your heart and lean not. Lean not on your friendships. Lean not on those people. Lean not on that issue. Lean not on, he, he's, he, he'll prune them because he, and this is the thing, God never takes without adding to in some way, shape, or form. God doesn't take to decrease you. God will remove or cut off. And I'll be honest, you know, we, we, we can say God removes in the sense like he's going to come up and lop it off, but he won't. He actually gives you a choice in the pruning process. Now, he says, if you won't be pruned, then we'll just have to lop the whole thing off. You will get cut off. Cutting is happening either way. But he actually allows us to participate in the pruning process. I think we need to remove that. Ah, but I like it. I think we need to remove it. Okay. I'll remove it. I'll trust in you. See, trust is revealed in lack. Trust is revealed when you come down to a a smaller amount of decisions, not more decisions. And as we whittle this thing down, the further and further we go, and you see this with Abraham, the further and further he goes in his faith journey with God, the, the, the less alternatives he has, the less options he has options. You know, some of us are, are confused in life because we just got too many options. Confused in life because we got too many voices. Confused in life because we've got too many alternative, uh, ulterior voices competing with what God is trying to direct us. Hey, get away from your family. Get away from your home country. Get away from everything you know. Get away from comfort. Get away from familiarity. So that way you can be even more in tune, more connected, because the assignment's great. And it's going to require that you respond to my voice. It says he lived there by faith, for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob, who inherited the same promise. It says, Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. 
Notice how this journey of faith, he's still able to keep hope up for the end result. Even in the midst of the cutting, even in the midst of the discomfort, even in the midst of, of I, I don't know where I'm at, I don't know what I'm doing, I, I, I stepped out on a single word, go, and I've gone there, and now I'm living there, I went there by faith, I'm staying here by faith, and now I'm still allowing faith to fuel my hope for what's ahead. You know, we just celebrated Easter and Good Friday and, 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 and the sacrifice that Jesus made. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says, Jesus, who for the joy set before him, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, endured the cross. You can endure discomfort when you can see beyond the discomfort. See beyond the cutting away. See beyond the pruning. See beyond what is being eliminated. See beyond, and remember, wait a minute, that's just a step. There's still an entire path in front of me. But what most of us do is we get blinded by the step in front of us. And we lose sight of the end goal. We lose sight of the outcome promise. We lose sight of the fulfillment. This is what I'm gonna bring to fruition in your life. And this is the thing, I'll be honest, guys. If God showed us the whole path, we wouldn't take it. You would think it was the devil. You think it was the devil cutting that off. You think it was the devil saying no. You think it was the devil trying to prune that away. You'd be, no, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke you. And it's like, that's my plan. Come on. If he showed us the whole path, we wouldn't take it. We think knowing more would help us. And God's like, no, knowing less will help you. Knowing less will help you. Come on, guys. You, you, you don't, you, you, stop crying out to the Lord for knowing more. Cry out to the Lord for faith to obey in what you do know. Because if you won't do what you know to do now, you won't do what you think you know to do next. Until you show yourself faithful in the now, in this moment. And many times, you know, you know what I have found out? There's many times where we think God has gone silent. It's only because he isn't speaking until we do the last thing we heard. <laughs> it's just a good time to check up, take inventory. Now, have I, have I obeyed the Lord in this last step? You know, here's the thing that I think a lot of times as believers we miss. And I'm talking to myself. But God is not just looking for us to finish. He was looking for us to finish strong. And I see way too many believers at the end of a season. We, we have our little Christianese terms. I think my season's coming. At the end of their season, it's obvious to everybody you're at the end. You're, you're, you're waning. You're frustrated. You highlight the, the things that you are frustrated with more than the blessings of the things that you have in your life. Uh, we're not as sacrificial, we're not as servant-minded, we're, we're not as, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you remember the day you took the first step in the new season. 
how passionate you were, how excited you were, how diligent you were, how faithful you were. You would put in overtime. You, the, the, but it, it's, it's become, I mean, it should not be obvious to anybody that you're at the end of a season or about to transition. We need to do better with transitioning well. Finishing strong, not just overall, but season to season. I am gonna, I'm not leaving any stone unturned. I'm finishing my fight. I am, what did Paul say to Timothy? I have fought the good fight. I have finished. I have ran my race. He's saying nobody can bring into question. He didn't, he, he refused to wake up one morning and think, well, they're gonna take my head off anyways. Why write another letter? You know, he had no guarantee that those letters were even going to make it where they were going. But because he finished well, not only was he writing to the Corinthians, he was writing to you and I. Not only was he writing to the Thessalonians, he was writing to you and I. For generation after generation after generation, the faithfulness of Paul to stay the course, to fight the good fight. You know, he wrote in, in, in Philippians to the church at Philippi, I have nobody with me. Except Timothy. Yeah, go read it. The great leadership of Paul. The great apostle. The great missionary. Church planner. He said, I, I've got no one but Timothy. Everybody else has sought their own interest. Only Timothy, who I, who I believe is a son to me thinks like me, talks like me, acts like me, carries out my wishes, wants what I want, has the same agenda and mission that I do. Everybody else, they've, seek their, they, they, they've become selfishly ambitious. They, they've gotten pulled away. They've gotten drawn away. No, we've got to finish well. A fight to the end. I mean, even if I have an inkling within me, that there, I mean, that, you know, my, my wife and I, when we transitioned here, nobody, they had no idea. I wasn't planning less. I wasn't, I'll go here. I wasn't putting more effort into Valdosta than I was into St. Augustine. I had an assignment. I was going to fulfill that all the way through the end. And nobody would even look at our ministry or what we were doing and think, man, they, they, something must be happening. Maybe they're going somewhere. They were like, are you serious? We had years, we had, we had the year planned out. I'm not saying this to puff us up. I'm saying that we, we, we that there's an importance to transition well, even when the transitions come. It's not, not to say transitions won't come. I mean, in the 12 years we've been here, we've seen people transition. That comes with the territory. You know, and, and, you know, as a pastor, you understand it, but man, you, you pour into people, you believe in people, you work with people, whether it's a good transition or not a good transition, it doesn't matter. You want to, to, to pastor those people. You love those people. You don't want to see that. But at the end of the day, we have a responsibility to transition well, to stay as long as we're assigned, not looking for the next thing. How am I being obedient with what I know to do now? How am I continuing to maintain to full effect my responsibilities, my performance, 
the work that's required, the investment that I make. I am not pulling, I'm not taking off the gas. We're not doing that. We're driving this thing until that transition comes. Amen. And so, you know, it says Isaac and Jacob inherited this same promise. That's a transition. Abraham had to pass on to his children what this life of faith looks like. Uh, It goes on to say, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Though she was barren and was too old, she believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was good as dead. I'm telling you right now, your current situation does not dictate what God can do. I love God does not consult my past to determine my future. <laughs> he, doesn't, he doesn't consult where I'm at today, what I'm doing today, how I feel today, what I'm capable of today, how experienced I am. Come on, he's, he is not measuring by the same measurements man measures by. He is not determining uh, what we are capable of by the same thing everybody else does. And, and, and the, the word of God is full of it, guys. We, we've seen it from Genesis to Revelation. He's using the people everybody else has kicked off to the side. The unqualified. The disqualified. Murderers, liars, cheaters. Come on, Abraham is a, who's picking Abraham as candidate of father of the year at 75 years old? Huh? No, it it doesn't qualify. Doesn't even measure up, doesn't meet the the natural standard. God's like, that's the man. Not because of his womb or Sarah's womb. Because of his ability to say, yes, I'll go. I don't get it. I don't understand it. I've never been there. This is all I've ever known. It doesn't make sense, but I'll go. It started with one word, go. And we call him the father of faith. A whole nation came from this one man who was good as dead, a nation with so many people that like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them goes on to say in verse 17 he had another test by faith Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him Abraham who had received God's promises was ready to sacrifice his only son Isaac even though God had told him Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted That's a whole nother level of faith when you can trust God with the very thing he promised you. Because he's always wanted to make sure, now do you place more trust in the resource or me? I promised him. I declared that you would be, so regardless of what happens in the middle, the middle is where we always get messed up. It's between here and there. That these faith moments show up. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Isn't that amazing? Abraham, Abraham could have this level of trust 
If you're asking me to lay down his life sacrificially, then you must be able to raise him back up. Because I know what you promised. I know what you told me. That's a greater assurance in the word of God than in anything else. That's a trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on how it makes sense to you. Lean not on if does it seem like it's possible. Lean not on what other people say. Lean not on what you think can happen. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Matthew chapter six, verse 33, you guys know this passage. Seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously and it will give you everything you need. Seek the kingdom above all else and he'll give you everything you need. Go with me if you will to to Psalms 37. Go there with me. We'll wrap it up there. Psalms 37. Just want to review some promises in the word of God regarding the steps that the Lord leads us on. Because all of us, regardless of where you're at in the journey, whether you just started, whether you're in the middle, where you're coming, you're, having, you're at that, okay, I got to fight to the end. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give in. I'm going to see this thing all the way to fruition. Wherever you're at in your journey, I can tell you what is in front of you. Everybody's on the same plane. There's a step in front of you. But God is always a step ahead. He's always a step ahead. Psalms 37 tells us, the Lord directs the steps of the godly. What that means is the godly give the Lord the capacity to direct. He's trying to direct the steps of everybody, but not everybody will give him. Not everybody will lean into that. Not everybody will allow him to direct the steps. No, the godly can be marked. You know what Romans chapter 8, was it, verse 11? Those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? Sons of God. Sonship is identified by who you follow. It is a character trait, if you will, of the sons of the king. I, I don't pick my path. I don't, I don't take steps without acknowledging him in all my ways. I don't just associate with whoever and whatever. I don't just allow anything. I I don't allow my ideas, my agenda. I always bring my ideas, my agenda under subjection to the king. Is this where you would have me go? And sometimes I'll say, yes, that is. Because you've become so in tune with the heart of the father that you can begin to discern and sense where he's leading you and where he's guiding you. And so even when you think it's your idea, it's just you being so connected and in union with the father Yeah, that's exactly what I would do. You know the heart of the Father now. But the godly, the sons of God, can be marked by they only follow the Spirit. They only take the steps that the Lord directs. And so it should be for us as well. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights 
in every detail of their lives. Don't ever write off anything as too small for God to direct and dictate in your life. Ah, he wouldn't care about that. You'd be surprised. You'd be surprised. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they'll never fall. For the, Lord, for the Lord holds them by the hand. Once I was young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the godly abandoned or their children begging for bread. The godly always give generous loans to others and their children are a blessing. It can be said of the godly, be said of the righteous, be said of the sons of God that they will follow the Lord, follow the leading of the spirit, amen? We need to be those that whatever step is in front of us, we yield it to the Lord. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.